So hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Saddlecast of this season with myself, Glenn Price, and Ollie Warner. How are you, Ollie? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's um, Spring is here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bit more pleasant for running and doing all that, and I think we're both cutting the lawn today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got to that time of the month where I'm having to go outside and do jobs outside again, which is always always a disappointing time. But um, yeah, lawns are mowed, um, but unfortunately points were not won this week for Shrewsbury Town. No. Obviously, we had another game. Um, at home to Portsmouth yesterday and, and lost but we're going to do things a little bit differently this week aren't we Ollie on the podcast because we've had uh, the opportunity to go and meet Sam Ricketts this week which people might have seen in on our social media or even from the press release by the football club that they wanted to start a focus group um, and we both had invites really out the blue didn't we we didn't know anything about it until I think it was the Tuesday before so yeah very interesting so I think what we're going to do is we're going to go straight into that because we've got a lot to cover um, and, and bring you what Sam Ricketts had to say really and John Pitts and then uh, after that we'll go on to talking about um, yesterday's disappointing loss um, yeah. So yeah, let's crack on, Ollie. And just before we get into that as well, we just cover very, very briefly, obviously, um, um, this academy team beat won oh, the yeah. Shropshire Cup, yes. so we can go through that as well. We can't let Telford forget they're still the only one team in Shropshire, so you're completely right there, Ollie. we will cover that. But yeah, let's uh, let's get on to this really interesting night meeting Sam Ricketts. However, the numerical disadvantage didn't stop the Shrews from going further in front. Louis Dodds finishing coolly and doubling the Shrews' lead. So Thursday night this week, we had an unexpected uh, meeting with Sam Ricketts and John Pitts, didn't we, who, uh, as we said, invited us in for a, a focus group meeting. And um, interesting, there, was, there wasn't just us there, obviously, Ollie, we should say that. It was, uh, I think it was 10 people there all together, and it's probably just for, for contra- transparency's sake, just to mention who went. But obviously, it's a lot of people who've been on the podcast, Ollie, which was interesting, wasn't it? So it was me and you, Mike Davis and Roger Groves and Chris Wynn from the Sports Parliament, who've also been on the podcast. Um, Ian Pritchard, who is the BNA message board admin. Um, there was Dave Matthias, who's one of my co-editors with the Blue and Amber fanzine. Aid Plimmer, who's been on the podcast. Rob Fox, who's been on the podcast. And a, and, and a fan called John Dorsett, who's a lot of Shoesbury Town fans will know as Scooter, who hasn't been on the podcast, but made it very clear he'd like to come on one day. So there we go. We've got another guest sorted. So it was quite an eclectic mix, I think. It's a lot of people that sort of helped the club over the years. But the one thing we'll say as we go into all of this was that I believe this was the first effort of doing this, wasn't it, Ollie? And, um, you know, there's been a message from the football club saying if you're interested in attending the next focus group, whoever you are, wherever you come from, then email the football club. There's a message on the website. And I think it, if it does happen, it goes forward. If Ricketts is here much longer, who knows? We'll come to that later. But I think it, it's good to get as much of a view from all sorts of different fans, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And um, before we kind of start, after to do the intros. I was quite keen to ask, um, and John Pitts answered, what do they want from us? Yes. I think it's fair to say they wanted some honesty. Hmm. Um, and I think it's fair to say they definitely got that. Yeah, they def- definitely did. It, it, my overview of it, really, in terms of the vibe of the meeting, was it was very open and frank, wasn't it? There was a lot of a, a lot of honest discussions, and and it was a two way street as well. You know, I think that fair play to Sam and John, they were very open about what they were saying. Obviously, we can't talk about everything. We've we've got a list of things we've sort of put a barrier against because we, he talked about tactical things they might try in future games issues with some not issues with players but things about players that maybe are not fair to put out there so we're going to give as good of a reflection of this and I, I came back after the meeting because I thought it was it was almost three hours Ollie and we, we had a lot of talking didn't we so I, I came home and I, I got a, my notepad up on my computer and just started jotting down as much as I could sort of remember that would be useful for us to put out on the podcast really in terms of, of things that we talked about and I think you then added a load of things to it the next morning didn't you yeah yeah it was buzzing <laughs> I was yeah it was it was a very very enthralling session yeah that's true um, uh, very very interesting and I think it's worth also mentioning as well as uh, this because I was I don't know whether it's just because I work in procurement I'm a buyer I've been on courses and things like that for negotiation training all that kind of stuff I was thinking what is 
how's this meeting going to go? I was really struggling to understand how it was going to start and how it was going to go. But it was really interesting to kind of very quickly became apparent that they were really keen to listen to us. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was one of the things that um, I, one of the biggest takeaways for me is that they were listening to us and they were engaging and they, you know, it wasn't a um, tick box exercise at all. Now, no. I'm not saying they're going to listen to what we had to say in True. terms of, you know, we could, you know, I don't know, our opinion on team selection or rotation, things like that. Um, because you'd hope that they don't. You'd hope that they obviously have their own decisions and their own thoughts. Um, but I think it was, they definitely said that they would take you know, on consideration where they are. And I think it probably helps them as a, as a, as a management team to understand where the fans are and maybe why, why there was, let's be honest, it was kind of linked back to that kind of toxic acts, um, um, atmosphere we had at yeah, home, wasn't yeah. it, to Wickham? Yeah, I think I remember saying something along the lines of, you know, you know, this is what we are as fans. This is kind of what we expect, hardworking. You know, I think as a fan base, we expect hardworking players and, and stuff like that. And we'll come to that because... You know that that seemed to mesh what Ricketts was saying, interestingly enough. Yeah. But we've obviously not seen that sometimes this season. So saying and doing are our big judgment call that we we had to make at the end of the meeting, I suppose. And um, what comes to that? But yeah, I mean, Ricketts said he wanted it to be open. One of the funny things I remember was that um, I think it was John Pitts. I can't remember. It might be John Pitts said something along the lines of it's. And it also, it's to, he sort of said something like it's to show us, show you that we're not idiots, which I believe on social media some people have muted. I'm not sure if he was talking specifically about us, Ollie, but I'm sure there's been plenty of people saying that. So it was quite. There was quite a lot of good natured, you know banter as well i suppose they they were very they they were quite engaging weren't they i suppose that's a that's yeah. the thing to say about, about about as people but um yeah there we go really so a sort of thing opened up we went around the table didn't we and everybody introduced who they were and then they sort of introduced them and then it went into sort of like a, a, what i thought was an opening statement where sam kind of talks about where they're at and and what's what's been going on really and you know he's pretty honest wasn't he by saying that he's not where he wanted us to be he's not where we want to be full stop um and he was very clear to get up front that he feels just as frustrated as we do which was Nice to hear because we were all frustrated at that point. Obviously, we've then gone on to lose another game, so frustrations maybe ratcheted up a bit. But certainly, you know, I came away from there feeling that he's, he, you know, he's not content with what's going on, which you wouldn't really be surprised by, would you? No, but <laughs> it's it was he, yeah, definitely got the sense that you know, it's clearly an articulate bloke. He knows a lot about what he's doing, and he wants to succeed here. Both him and John want to succeed at Shrewsbury, yeah. Um, and they're not happy with how things are going. Um, obviously, in in time, in obviously came in under different circumstances, but they also were keen to say that they, you know, they did a lot of research and so they knew what they were coming into. Mm, they did, and it was and there was a big chat about um, you know talking about the facilities we got there. I think you know one of the things I remember saying again, just reflect on what I said really, because it's some of the stuff I remember most most of all, I suppose, was you know saying that. You know, we talked about the whole fullness of the club, really, but talking about the facilities and where we were in, it's the first time I've been up the training ground, and it is a pretty impressive facility when you're in there. Um, but they're not content with even that. You know, John Pitts was talking about looking at to do small tweaks and improvements to that. So they put more TVs up now. They're constantly playing training videos of shadow play and stuff, which we talked about later on as well, so that there's like learning through a process of osmosis. So they've, they've obviously looked at little things and tweaks that they can bring. Um, and I think we'll talk about John Pitts in a minute because he's a very interesting character and very different to what I thought. But yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I think that was it really when we talked about that opening that opening segment really, I suppose. Yeah, and I think he was you know, he was saying that he was happy with what he what they had and he can't really complain about the facilities that the clubs are providing him and, no. and that yeah, this training ground just gives us a competitive advantage at this level. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And then we sort of everybody sort of had their say on because of what had happened you say, on on the Saturday with the toxic atmosphere. We did talk about our fan base for a while, didn't we? And um you know, it was interesting at the start. John Pitt said something that got a few of the fans' backs up, didn't he? Where he started, he started to talk about how he thought that there was a perception in football that clubs could come to Shrewsbury and our fans would get on our team's back, which was very odd for me as a Shrewsbury Town yeah. fan. I don't, I don't think that which is opposite to what Paul Hurst said. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, and you said which that, I remember? Mentioned. You said, you know, 
Paul Hurst had said we're actually you know easy and, and it's, it's, it should be an easy place to come and play your football so that was interesting and to be fair Johnny gave his justification he said that he'd heard that from other teams he, he, I think it was I can't remember the team he mentioned now Wickham, Wickham I think Wickham yeah like saying that they, they felt they could come and turn our crowd and um that was interesting, but yeah, I say some of the fans batted that back, um, and and sort of we agreed that we were quite a conservative fan base, despite what's happened this season and having it turn against the mat. Two managers once in one season, twice in one season is a bit odd, isn't it? But um, we did have a long chat, didn't we, about expectations having been raised by what happened last season, and not just that, you know, all our money we've got in the bank, how we run the club. Mm-hmm. You know, but we said that the expectations were mid-table, weren't they? Yes, we didn't say that. It was a there's a, a conflict, isn't there? I think in terms of thoughts and what we expect after last season. Yeah, um, but. We didn't expect. And, we, we expected mid-table. I think most people agreed with that. Yeah, and then there was. Then you even mentioned then, and I think the narrative went on that we were talking about how the frustrations had built to the point of Saturday, where it was yeah. kind of what had happened and what Ricketts had been doing. But it was almost from you said it was almost from the playoff final. Uh, the 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 football, trade. Yeah, every little bad thing that happened since then has ratcheted the annoyance level of Shrewsbury Town fans up. And he's come in here now, done worse than Askey, and we were very clear that no one was very happy with that. And. And um, and that that's just led to what happened that Saturday before. Interestingly, when we come to Portsmouth, it was obviously a bit of a different atmosphere. So um, who knows where it will go from now? I suppose it's difficult difficult to judge, isn't it? But um, yeah, that was interesting. And and as I say about the hard work thing, yeah, that, that was good. I mean, we moved on then to talking about why we were where we were because one of the main takeaways I got from it was that Sam had come in and said that you know the, the vibe was if he'd have been here in pre-season, it'd have been very different, Ollie. And then that led to a discussion about John Askey, and it's a bit difficult. We can we can talk about how we talked about it, but I thought. He was fairly professional about it, wasn't he? He wasn't. He's not. He wasn't the sort of manager who's going to stab another professional in the back with a bunch of fans just to gain favour. He was very diplomatic about talking about what yeah. had gone on in pre-season. But one thing that has been clear for us before even Sam Ricketts came in the door is fitness was nowhere near where it needed to be, no. was Ollie? No, yeah, fitness is and fitness is now. I think a, a continual theme and a hindrance for the team and what they've been trying to do. Yep. I really did try to get an answer on Askey because I said, "What was he doing?" Yeah, like, I did as well, didn't I? <laughs> so what, yeah, I said, "What the bloody hell was he doing at one point?" But yeah, we, we had to leave it eventually, didn't we? When it, it was fair, he didn't. You know, I, I'm glad that he didn't just come out and say Askey was a load of shit, and I don't know what the hell he was doing. That wouldn't have been professional, but it would have been nice to hear, and it would have been funny. But I can understand why he wouldn't say that, and, and that's fair enough. Yeah. And, and he was keen to say he didn't want to come out and say the, the excuses about fitness because yes. it's sort of such a cliche yes. um, so it shows that he's thinking about you know before he, what he says to the media and to the fans yeah he did he did as well I just remembered one funny thing I haven't put on our little agenda I put together there was one point where he talked about fine something and I made sure to specifically mention to him that he shouldn't ever say the phrase fine margins which yeah. was pretty funny wasn't it? everyone sort of had a laugh there and he obviously Witters was like Ian Whitfield the media manager was there sort of I don't know if he briefed him on fine, margin, uh, fine margins but there we go that was quite funny so yeah we, we did talk about ASCII and, and what had gone on and um, I, I don't you know there wasn't Maybe he was quite much. short on Askey, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, and it was interesting as well because he obviously has talked to Paul Hurst. That came out in the meeting and he obviously talks to a lot of football managers in in, in the football league and people he's maybe worked with over his career. So he certainly seems to be trying to you know learn as much from other people as possible. Even Paul Hurst, you know, he said he asked him about a certain thing that we talked about later on, didn't he? So, yeah, interesting. Interesting that was. Um, and then sort of John Pitts kind of had a little bit of a moment really to set himself out, didn't he? And it was interesting because I think I, I I think I talked about it and a few other people at the meeting that we'd assumed that he was there as sort of the performance coach and, and that was maybe a, a sideways position and probably below maybe Coyne and Ramsey in terms of how the structure was. But in the whole meeting, he came across as his right-hand man, didn't he? He came across almost like an assistant manager. Yeah, I'd say he was... Yeah, I've, I've used a different word and maybe that's um, from my work experience mm. where I've worked with consultants. I've seen him as a... And people might understand. I'm not sure if people understand what that means. This means, but he's almost as a consultant, isn't he? Yeah, I feel he's like there that, as yeah. like a, as a, a consultant for for like kind of management and and people development. 
And yes, for me, he's a, he's an assistant manager in the sense that he helps um, players, um, you know, and that's what assistant managers do, don't they? They're kind of the go-between between the manager and the players. Yes. And he's doing that, but I think he's also bringing an extra element um, to, the, to the team in terms of he's doing things that other clubs aren't necessarily going to do. Yeah. And for me, he's like, yeah, that, that kind of consultant and helping them with their like kind of leadership style. And haven't been on um, leadership courses myself, um, where you understand, you know, how people are behaving and, you know, are people spectators? Are they, you know, basically negative or are they leaders within the group? I imagine that John is bringing that kind of analysis to the group uh, mm. for, for, for for Sam Ricketts to bring some analysis to the group to how are people performing and how are people behaving yeah. um, and bringing that to the, the table, which is interesting and probably something that will, will probably be probably more common as we go forward and perhaps yeah, a very close team aren't they? completely on the same page yeah. and um yeah I, I, I when i was listening to him talk it sounded very much like I, I watch a lot of cycling for example he sounded exactly like dave brailsford does in terms of he even mentioned that um marginal gains he mentioned that as a phrase at one point which is what dave brailsford obviously believes in with team sky so it's very much that kind of thing in terms of trying to take advantage. And Ricketts mentioned that having he felt that having john pitts with him was giving us advantage over other teams in league one uh, again We'll say this all the way through because what Sam Ricketts and John Pitt said is fine and it sounded fantastic all the way through. Well, obviously, it's a results business and we did stress that later on. But I can I can see why someone like John Pitts is, is, is helpful to a manager like Sam Ricketts who doesn't have that much experience and considers himself to be quite a modern manager because of the methods and the ways that he's doing his job. Um, yeah. It seems it's it's a very different, not very, it's a different approach to maybe what we've had with the last yeah, four or five and managers. And it's also about developing the players, not just in terms of their football ability, about their mental ability, their, their mental toughness, and, and also developing them as as leaders and how they perform as a team and why would you not do those things it's maybe i'm not sure like maybe it's something that the big clubs do like man city and that's man city have that guy don't they who supports pep who's his right hand yes yes um so i think there's maybe there's something that's coming out more maybe something we have to look into a bit more into but yeah and it was interesting and it definitely would say he's he's a positive influence um Mm. on the management team and the team that's, that's my takeaway yeah it still relies on the players and that's obviously the problem of League One and um, yeah. Sam was Sam was at pains to keep saying about how everybody in League One every player in League One's got a championship performance in them but it's about how consistently you do that and the players that go on to play in the championship are the ones who are consistently at that level and he says you know some of our players can be brilliant on their day and we've seen it week in week out before he even got here sometimes some of those players but sometimes they won't have that game and, and it's it's trying to get someone like John Pitts to make sure that we keep the consistency up and we the word consistency was consistency was used a lot of times during this meeting wasn't it it about all sorts of different things whether it be fitness whether it be performance whether it be team selection it was a real kind of um sort of keystone of what what the discussion was about really so yeah yeah and everything everything we'll talk about here and everything he's discussed kind of does link back to that and trying to achieve that consistency yeah, yeah yeah It's getting there, though. That's the problem, isn't it? Um, and then, yeah, so we moved on to transfer window after that. Or we didn't move on to it. I, I, I kind of set these out in headlines, but I kind of tried to just put my thoughts together. Really. Yeah, so this, we're not going through in chronological no, order because we went off on lots of tangents. <laughs> we certainly did. It went all over the place at times. Um, but, yeah, then we did have a discussion about the transfer window, and um, he was honest in saying he really felt it needed a big freshen up, again, because of fitness and um, needing more runners and more legs in there. Um, and then we started talking about how we build as a football club in terms of building a consistent team. Um, but with that sort of Damocles sword over you, which is what you discussed with Brian about how teams can just blow us out of the water with money. And he was talking about how Mansfield were paying someone five grand a week, which is it's not, we can't afford that. And Mansfield can't really afford that. And so there is that sort of um, unfairness in the transfer market at times for, for teams that are trying to do things the right way. Um, and he was honest about saying that was a frustration, I think, wasn't he? But um, 
he knew the rules when he came here. He knew yeah, what our budget was. Yeah, but the sense of using it as an excuse. No, 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 I agree. At all. Yeah. And he's confident in his own ability to be able to take a bunch of players and, and make them um, better, coaching them as individuals and as players, but also trying to create a system and a, a unit that is going to be yeah, better than the sum of its parts, which is definitely a theme we had under Paul Hurst. And in terms of recruitment, he was very clear on he wanted players who could run. He mentioned that loads of times, didn't he? He wants runners. And it was, all, it was a lot about running and running hard through teams and running 90 minutes and similar to Paul Hurst I suppose um, and then he also wanted he also said a thing that you hear a lot of managers say he wants two players for every position which is fine but um, he needs to buy some wingers in that case because we haven't got any so um, that was interesting and then I asked him about his contacts didn't I Ollie, at one point I was saying yeah. you know all Shrewsbury fans are presuming you've got great contacts at Wolves and we were surprised that a Wolves player didn't come in and he was saying that you know he'd been offered players in Wolves which is not surprising during the window but he said Honestly, he'd only take ones if he felt they were good enough for the team, which is which is fine. So there obviously is some considered thought there. He could have he could have bought players in from Wolves, but he really was studied and looking for the kind of players that he wanted. He felt he'd had a good January window, which I think was met with a reasonable amount of agreement at the table, wasn't it? That maybe January was probably a little bit better than the summer recruitment in some respects. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah so definitely. he was quite happy with what he got. Um, he, he talked about the Campbell thing, which he talked about in the press before, about how he was lucky to get him on the last day. And that kind of changed things from being good to maybe what he thought was excellent. So um, just saying that you know transfer deals are, are difficult. But obviously, if you want to know more about that, then listen to our transfer special, I suppose. Um, and then in terms of players who came in, we, we had a long chat about Rashawn Williams, didn't we, about how fantastic he's been. And I think as, as fans, we've seen how good he's been. You know, he's 20 and he's come in and been fantastic in League One. Probably one of the, the highlights of, of the transfer window. But the thing that we didn't know was they talked about how good he is in the dressing room, Ollie. And he came across as seems like a, an incredibly useful character for us in the dressing room. Yeah, he's definitely an asset um, to the club. And yeah, fair play to him. He's done fantastically well, hasn't he? And it's a... Yeah, it was, a, it was a good signing and maybe um, gives an insight to maybe what Sam could do in the summer. Mm. He did, he did. So then we, we went on to talk about training because one of the things that um, he wanted to show us was a, a sort of PowerPoint presentation, wasn't it? Showing his, his what his system is, basically. And, uh, and he sort of says he employs a traffic-like system. So every attack or every f- uh, phase has different colours. So players will be red, they're not to attack. Players to be green are the ones you want to get forward and lots of different elements to do that. And it's probably not worth, worth talking too much about it because it was quite detailed, wasn't it, what he went through. But um, regardless of what his technique was, he really still maintained and lamented that lack of training time due to all the Tuesday night games when he first came in. And he, he, he said he felt it was it was more difficult, I suppose, to get their message across early because they just weren't having that straight block of a week to, to really go through what he wanted to bring to the team. Yeah, and I think it's worth saying that he was he made, when um, talking about training, wasn't he, that... You know, if we had a pre-season, um, he would go to another level. Yep. And because of the lack of time and the time of the season, and also the fitness of the players, he's decided not to overtrain them um, in his in his kind of methodology because he doesn't have the players doesn't have the time in the week. And also, if he did that, then obviously he'd be um, reducing their performance levels for a match day. Um, so he's been he feels like he's been a bit stuck um, and I think we can all understand that and that's where I was kind of that's where I got a lot of flack when I was saying that the FA Cup is a bit of a distraction mm. um, because it was kind of taking that time away from him um, he shared some interesting insight into like for example when Wolves came in when yeah. sorry when Nunes went to Wolves and they did you know double sessions every day during pre-season and only had a few days off um, and like I'm mad, he said that was something that he'd probably do um, in, in the summer if he's still with us. Yeah. Um, and he said his team will be fit, which yeah. we'll come on to a bit more later. But. 
if he's here. This was a lot, you know, we're talking about a lot of as as might be the case, but we'll find out as the season progresses. Now, a few other things I thought about training was interesting. He showed us uh, sort of the, the the shadow play work they do, and they film everything with a drone, or they film it regularly, um, and so you could see the players in their formations and what he was trying to get them to do, whether they were being not marked or whether they were being marked with the shadow squad, if you will, um, and then they're able to show the players that, and it's constantly on the TVs for them in the training ground. So you know, very modern, very using a drone. It's obviously a very different approach. Something I wasn't aware they do and it, and it seemed like a very sensible thing to be doing um and yeah, yeah. It's something it's, that like Rafa does and Pep yeah, does like, yeah, I sure. like reading books about football as you know I'm a bit of a football geek um you know he had lines on the pitches like one yeah, thing that Pep, um, Pep taught there's a book called Pep Confidential um and one of the things that Pep does like for example the fullback and the winger won't be in the same kind of swimming channels on the pitch to create angles um, and then, yeah, yeah like there was lines on the pitch about how he yeah, repairs pressing, defending and all sorts of different things. So, yeah, it's clearly a lot of thought and prep going into training sessions. Yep, and it was about consistency, hammering that same point home. He, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember what he said along those lines, but he said something like, you know, in an ideal world, he'd have two tactics. But at the moment, they've just got the one they've got, haven't they? And he's yeah. going to drill it, drill it, drill it and just hope that that gets it through <laughs> enough, which is similar to what Paul Hurst did when he came in with the 4-4-2. Just reminded it, me it. about 4-4-2. Yeah, yeah. Well, I only mentioned it in the context because that's what Hurst did when he came in, but obviously Ricketts is using a different tactic, but the mentality is the same. It's to try and just drill one tactic into them. Um, and he was asked later on what happened from moving from the tactic with the diamond through to where we are now, and he was honest in saying he felt the diamond uh, exposed us, didn't he? And that actually yeah. that we've gone to the tactic we've got now and we've I don't know, who needs to judge? It felt like we might say this tactic a lot now because it solidifies us and then at least we've got something to build from and that's what his philosophy is for this running, I suppose. So yeah. it's um, it's, his, it's his plan. If it works or not, we'll, we'll find out, won't we? But um, yeah, yeah there we go. interesting about Worley as well because he said that, you know, he'd never put a player in a position unless he knew that he was happy for it. Yes. I thought that was quite interesting. And Worley likes the wing-back role. Um, and he was, yeah, it was quite interesting because um, he was talking about what role, what Wally's role is. So if Wally's playing wing back, you know, he's his he's not his purpose is not there to defend. His there, his purpose is to be attacking, to pin them back, and then using um, Goldburn, um, either Bol- Bolton or Beckles, um, Waterfall, and Roshan, and Roshan's to cover in, in yeah, that shuffle gap. across, and then everyone shuffle across. So it's yeah. about yeah, cl- um, covering space, and and if that. And this is one of the examples of where I think you know this kind of dialogue helps the fans understand you know what is why he's doing things because um, you know I think we're all a bit surprised when he played Wally wing back um, and to know that he's happy to play there and he's enjoying it is one thing but also that you know the, how the team is supposed to you know evolve um, and we said a few times on the pod actually that Goldburn's more of a defensive wing back mm. and that kind of yeah, plays into that thought process. Yeah, it, it was interesting. You know, he gave us more context to some of the things we've wondered about this season. That's for sure. I don't don't disagree with that. Um, that was it, really. I suppose on, on the last thing on training, I suppose, was uh, someone asked the question about why defenders just keep hoofing it long every now and again. And he was quite funny. He was like, well, sometimes they just need to fucking clear it, but we don't train to do that, <laughs> which was quite interesting. Yeah. It was like, you know, they obviously work on their on their tactics of where we should be doing it, where we should play it out. But I think he was very much also, he talked about adapting to games and adapting to things and trying to adapt to conditions even. Talked about the wind in that game the other week. Um, whether they adapted to it well or not is debatable. But, you know, he was, he was talking about the fact that sometimes there is a merit for just trying to clear your lines. And then obviously we come to what happened on Saturday against <laughs> Portsmouth which we'll come to where I wish he thinks someone would have just bloody cleared it into the stands but yeah. we'll, we'll come to that Ollie we'll come to that um, so yeah we did talk about Wally a little bit didn't we about the diamond yeah. um, some people asked questions about recent changes to the team so why had Grant been dropped versus Wickham where he just he simply felt that by taking the 
shield away it would make us more attacking seemed reasonable um, but some fans did disagree quite strongly on that didn't they to say that Grant is one of our best players you can't not drop him but there was a frank exchange of views on that I suppose um, and there was also quite a frank exchange of views on Holloway again yeah which was interesting so, very interesting yeah one of the friends of the pod um, did question about Holloway um, and yeah it was quite interesting his view on that um, he said that you know Holloway is a target man um, and he was yeah he's compared him to Sam Vokes didn't he, he did. saying that actually from attributes he's faster stronger um, than Sam Vokes he did, but he yeah, did technically that, yeah. he's not as good um, and yeah there was a really interesting one about why we signed him so it, it sounds like we obviously signed Holloway actually under the Paul Hurst era because yeah, yeah that's kind what I of the, the, the kind of the um, one of the contributing factors was Toto yeah, he said it was the hardest game he had last year was playing against Holloway. Um, and obviously Toto's then gone to be a championship player. So, interesting. I mean, I haven't seen that type of performance from him all season for us, unfortunately. And who's to know whether a defender will... Yeah, didn't he say something like oh, opposition defenders shit themselves when they're yeah, playing against I think, him? Yeah, I think John Pitts might say something like that. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? But we're not seeing it. It's obviously in there as, as these, these guys are experienced football players. And obviously Sam... Maybe something to look out for. Well... It, I did. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not sold on it, and I'm not sure too many were. But yeah, obviously there's a player there. We're just we're just not seeing it, are we? So we'll, we'll have to find out. But um, that moved on really to sort of talking about rotation. Um, there was a funny moment at one point, Ollie, where you sort of fronted up to him and he was talking about rotation, and he kind of was intimating that he didn't think there'd been that much rotation. And then you went, yeah. "You've changed the team quite a lot." <laughs> and and he like, said, and he said, "No, he actually asked me, do you think I've changed it a lot?'" And I said, "Yeah, yeah I think you've changed it too often," which I thought was quite uh, funny. And then after that, I followed up with a question about did he have a philosophy on rotation is it something that he thinks we're going to do all the time under him and he said yes and no uh, he kind of ummed and ahed about it didn't he? he sort of said basically it depends on who you've got at the club doesn't it in terms of whether you need to rotate and the vibe is at the moment we do need to rotate because of all the things we talked about a minute ago freshness achieving fitness. consistency exactly the yeah. lack of fitness that we have which is just mm. ASCII's cast a big shadow over this the rest of the season mm. Um, he made a fair point, though, I thought, at one point, where he flagged up fairly, which was, you know, everyone's complained about his rot- rotation, but had Paul Hurst rotated more during the latter part of last season, would we have been fresher for the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, and then I raised, raised the point that actually, um, in the relegation season last season, we th- and um, the two, th- two seasons ago, we thought we were safe, didn't we? Then we went away to Port Vale, the team lost their legs, and then we were pulled back in it after we thought we were done. And yeah, he's talking about rotation to achieve consistency so everything he's doing to try and achieve consistency and that's why he says he's rotating because he's trying he's got you know young players who like for example Doherty who's played a lot of games but you know he's trying to keep that their fitness levels balanced they've played a lot of games now but you know it's the first time some of them are doing it in their career isn't it so they they clearly are getting used to that rigors of professional men's football in some respects some of them and it isn't easy for them to do Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday all the time um, and that's one of the reasons why it's leading to so much rotation this is this is what he's telling us you know that you know that that was the answer we got to that one as well, and um, you know it, it was clear that you know he wants a team that could run. You know we've said this time and time again. And he said something along the lines of I think it was like twelve. Or, he wanted players that would run twelve or fourteen kilometers a game. I can't. Yeah, I heard this now. special ten k numbers been mentioned on yeah. other podcasts I've listened to about if you get over and Paul Hurst mentioned as well about didn't he about about stats. Mm. Um, if you achieve so many stats, you'll um, you'll yeah you'll achieve something. Yeah, I mean, and, and he talked about rotation. He said he did it at Wrexham as well, and he'd been complimented on it because they had a fit team and they were outpacing people. And I suppose it, it's fine if that's the case, and it's just it isn't the case here, really. I don't think the way that the rotations worked. And um, 
I read in between the lines, I got the feeling that if he got a pre-season and he got a settled squad next year, we wouldn't see anywhere near as much rotation. So I think I came away from that feeling like the rotation thing is a needs must. It's not his philosophy. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see how that develops if he's here next year, I suppose. Um, I say we had a big chat about pre-season fitness. I'm not going to talk too much more about that. The only interesting other thing that came out of that bat is he talked about the fact that when we were under Coyne and Ramsey, he felt games picked up because they went from sort of the not fitness training with ASCII and then they put a, a real regime in that really got their pace up and their fitness up over a very short period of time but then it dropped off a cliff, cliff quite quickly because it's, he was saying it was impossible to get players back to the pre-season fitness they should have late on in the season and also as the season goes on there's that natural degradation of how fit people play players are anyway yeah. so yeah it was and they couldn't maintain those levels as well no, they no. put loads of effort into the games so one of them being a Scunthorpe FA Cup game um, which we won and Salford games um, but yeah meant that we yeah it's, it's almost like we got a tank and a tank of energy yeah, but I was kind of like to visualise it. But our tank of energy is smaller than a lot of other teams in the league because of that yeah. pre-season. Yeah, that was what he was trying to get across. Definitely, he didn't say that, but that's my no. interpretation. I think, of I, it. I think that's well, yeah, maybe okay. Um, in terms of results, we we talked. He, he was talking about games that he felt we'd let slip, and we should be four, at least four points better off than we were. Which you know maybe that's justifiable. I'd, I'd say there's some games where we got a couple of points where we might have been lucky, so it maybe balances out. Um, but he was just saying it is close, and we would have been thirteenth then, and would everybody be as you know, heads yeah. up then, maybe not. Um, and then I asked him about why we'd taken a backward step in the last two games and he just he just lamented the poor start of Plymouth. Um, talked about all league game. he said all league one games are basically a 50-50 game. Um, maybe, maybe that's fair, maybe when we're playing Sunderland and Barnsley, maybe not, who knows. But, you know, he, he says they're so tight that he wants to be the team that's got control. He doesn't like how random League One games are. But again, that's something he's going to be looking at in the future. I don't think he thinks he can get control of games too much at the moment, maybe. Maybe that's a bit harsh. No, and that's, but... one, of the, actually, that's one thing we didn't mention, that yeah, his, you know, his preferred style of play is controlling the ball. And it's funny, I only saw about two minutes of the Wales game. And he mentioned on Sky Sports about how he want you know how will Wales control the game of the ball, and it's something that he definitely wants us to do. But again, that comes he'll need a pre-season to implement those ideas, and and he'll need players that can do that as well. He will. I then asked him about his league record being worse than ASCII's. He was he was a bit wishy-washy on that. I don't. He was obviously clearly not very happy about it, and just kept saying, "I understand people's frustrations." We didn't really get any further than that. Um, and then the last thing on results really was he was honest enough to admit that he did looked at a couple of games a bit differently. He'd have done things differently looking back. And he, I think he mentioned Luton and Charlton. Were they both home games? Yeah. Where we, we lost Charlton. He said, "Yeah, basically we were too exposed to their two strikers." Um, it was one of the examples he gave. Yes, if I remember was, right. Yeah. And then he started to say his vision for the club. Um, we've kind of talked about it. He said this, he's just picked a tactic to go with and he's just going to drill it into them until they get as good at it as he can and then look at doing more next season. Um, yeah, he wants to get a more closely knit and together group, which is fair enough. Um, I can't really, I didn't really write too much more about his vision, I suppose. Um, yeah, he's, he's saying how he wanted youth players to come through. That was it, yeah, he did um, say he, that. Yeah, he's really keen on the youth and yeah, the youth cup, for example, with Telford and how and and, and David Longford's also mentioned that as well. You know, he's really keen to get some youth players through. And he asked us, you know, do you guys care about youth players coming through? Again, this yes. comes back to yeah. him trying to understand as a, as a fan base what's important to us. Um, and yeah, he wants us to be successful. Um, and yeah, how we were going to do that is through um, having youth players. And he'll always try and get youth players into training as well to try and build to keep the numbers up. Um, there was one last bit on it. He was, I, I think it was Sam that said it, not John, which is a bit weird because you would have thought it was something that came from John. But I think he said something along the lines of he believed that footballers' mentality was now more important than yeah, their ability, did. which is really interesting to me because I would think we just buy on ability. But 
I think that's quite clear when you've got a player like Gilead, and he didn't mention Gilead the whole night, so this is not him and his judgment, this is my judgment, but you look at someone like Gilead, who Mark Elliott's constantly saying is a very talented player, you know, everyone thinks he's a good player, but clearly his mentality is not right. Now, yeah. you know, that's an example of buying a player with ability who maybe hasn't got the right mentality that yeah. ends up wasting a wage for the season. And then you so, see someone like Ollie Norburn, who's got the right mentality, and yeah. I'd say in the last five games, um, the, the, the Sam Ricketts and the leadership team are getting more out of him, and he's because he's got the right mentality. So, you know, I thought it was an interesting point. They were big on Ollie Norburn, weren't we? When we got talking about him, said so he's growing into a real leader, and he's actually developing into a character in the dressing room that is really useful for a football team. So, he came out of it with glowing praise, which was which was good for, for Ollie, really. Yeah. Um, in terms of the the most interesting question on the night was we had this discussion, and Rob Fox, who was present, was talking about last season and Hurst, and we were just having a bit of a sort of reminiscence of what had gone on, and maybe lessons that had been learned. And, yeah, it was uh, funny they asked about whether the football. <laughs> was entertaining and I was clean to say that it wasn't was it, it uh, yeah you said no but I I said I, I was entertained last season purely because we won a lot and we yeah, had like we wins. won and I yeah, said yeah said. exactly so it's, it's funny isn't it like um, it wasn't entertaining football but it was a brilliant because we kept winning like you know dramatic late wins Bristol Rovers you went to Doncaster away didn't you I went to all of them when we won late wins. yeah yeah and so, yeah, it was damn sight more entertaining than this season <laughs> yeah yeah we, I think we were clean and I was keen to press that how you know how dire it's been, and this is almost when we were talking about why the fans are so frustrated. Um, and I use Blackpool away, you know, we just miss so many chances. Um, and he was keen to share his um, thoughts as well on that, which was which he is agreed with, He agreed with you, didn't he? About you were talking about driving back from Blackpool and being really down, and he was like, "Well, I was the same." So that was quite yeah. interesting. You were both down on the way back. Um, but in terms of that, it was interesting because he was brave enough to ask us difficult questions, or which were difficult for him. And at one point, he turned around to all the people there and said, "Would you, you know, with what will happen with Paul Hurst and the way he left, I'm interested." Because he was talking about, "I can't go back to Wrexham. I can't drive through Wrexham anymore." To which I said, "Well, that's not really much of a loss, is it, Sam?" Which uh, he kind of laughed at. But um, yeah, it, it was. It was like he was like, "Well, would you have Hurst back at the football club?" And to be fair, a, f- a few people said yes, didn't they? I mean, I think mm-hmm. the majority said yes. I think there was two no's. You abstained, Ollie. But in general, some people were like, "Well, yeah." Everyone was back. talking over each other. Then. Yeah, it was. It was quite a lot. Of, quite a lot of uh, discussion at that point I think someone at one point said I'd have him back now which was probably a bit harsh considering the manager was sitting in front of you but yeah it was it was interesting he asked that question and um, I don't know we, we talked about Hurst a lot to be fair and, and what had gone on that season It did some. I came out and was talking to some of the guys outside I was like sometimes we felt like a bunch of jilted lovers it was, it was a bit sad really but there we go um, but that was it on, on Hurst really I suppose on that question it was quite funny that to be fair and um yeah, that was it really. I've I just had a few other points I jotted down that didn't really come under a, a topic really. We talked about rumours, didn't we? Yeah. And one of the things we got blasted for last week was talking about rumours that have no substance. One of the things I'm sure had substance but wasn't as bad as it was was um, there was obviously a bust up at Plymouth, but it wasn't violent and a it wasn't verbal any. One. Yeah, there wasn't any fighting. They were very clear on that. But actually, I don't think we said that anyway, did we? No, we didn't. We didn't. Um, but he was he was clear to say he wished it happened a few weeks ago. It was the sort of thing he needed the team to do to get at each other, to get that spirit, to get that passion out. John John was saying the same thing, wasn't he? And um, yeah, he said it was verbals at half time and verbals at the end, and and he felt that it was a positive for the team in the end, which is interesting, isn't yeah. it? So we would think that. And that's something kind that we of, said as well. You know, you yeah. want a team that that is has the ability to kind of air their grievances, and so they can learn. You know, you didn't track this man. You need to do this and set higher standards yeah. themselves. Um, we talked about them being more honest about injuries and people have got niggles just to stop everyone thinking every rotation is because of uh, dropping some of the rotation we've had felt to me coming across that there'd been niggles of players they didn't want to be honest about for whatever reason and um, we had a discussion about maybe that could take some of the pressure off if someone's got a knock then say they've got a knock and I noticed they after did do the, that um, we were clear when we say after yeah. the team has been announced at 2pm yes exactly when the team sheet comes out why. simple yeah, as that we don't want to give obviously opposition 
um, we don't want to give opposition um, teams advantage because they do listen to his interview and Sam was keen to stress that. You know, he's not going to mention it in the midweek unless he does it you know, opposite Lila. I know, I know all of our best players are injured <laughs> and then yeah. they're all playing like Ryan Giggs used to be always before Champions League games for Man United. But yeah, he was keen that he wants to be how honest and it's something maybe they'll take on board. We'll, we're not sure, we'll see. And that was it really after that. I say it was, it was, it was fascinating. Um, I didn't come out of there clapping his tune, thinking he's the best thing since sliced bread, trying to tell the entire fan base that this is all going to be fine, stop panicking. We obviously lost on Saturday. I'm still not very happy about what's going on this season. I still don't think he's got... He's still got a crap record as Shooter manager, frankly. Let's, yeah. let's be brutally honest about it. Is he hard-working? Uh, no doubt. Is he Is he a nice bloke when you meet him face-to-face? No doubt. Um, will it work for him at this football club? I'm not sure, Ollie. I really am not sure. I, I can understand what he's trying to do. But they did, I did come out of this meeting feeling like he might be the right manager at the wrong time, and that, that's a pretty harsh yeah, thing to few say. People have, I've seen a few people say that. Mm. I think it was Martin Dudley put that as oh, well. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've seen a few people say that that yeah, he maybe he's the the kind of the right manager at the wrong time, and yeah, it's an interesting view on that. Maybe maybe we'll save whether we should you know have him next season for a later date when we've got a few yeah. more results under his table. Right now, like. I don't know, like, what was your override? So you were talking about your overriding impact of the day. Is there anything else you wanted to add? I, I do. I have come out of that slightly softened on. If he keeps us up, I, I'm at one point I was saying, if he, even if he keeps us up, I can't see a future with him. I've been saying that a couple of times on the podcast recently, just saying, what's the plan where we're going? I, I clearly have learned a lot from going to that meeting. And I think that if he keeps us up, I would be happy with him to keep, yeah. a, keep us going next season and see what he can implement of what he's just told because some of it sounded quite exciting. Some of it and sounded it's quite, you know, it's very modern. It's like yeah, the, it's yeah. the latest trends. And, and my view is, like, so I, I, I came out of it absolutely buzzing. I don't think I got mm. to sleep till like one o'clock, mm. um, just kind of thinking things through. And as a someone who's just obsessed with football, it was just like the insight and stuff was amazing. Um, I have a lot more faith in him and John as a team and what they're trying to implement. Um, and yeah I, I definitely would if we stay up I'd definitely keep him as a manager um, I'd like to see what he could do um, because if we get someone else it's not necessarily going to be any better or worse and he hasn't really had a fair test and also then you've got kind of the backroom staff and all the changes that would have to happen as well I and mean, he's in there now so we can start preparing and he knows the team as well so I think at the moment there's a lot more pros in terms of cons in terms of change in manager now obviously it is a result business and we were keen to say I said you know you've only won four exactly. games out of 18 yeah. and you've drawn seven um, lost seven and and he took it on the chin you know he, he can't no, argue with that yeah. and he was he was quite fair but I came out definitely um, with a bit more faith in him as a, as a manager uh, um, and what he's trying to do and was quite impressed and yeah it, it was it was a, it was an engaging um, session and Mm, that's fair. I, I don't think everyone would have taken the same thing away from it. In all no, honesty. definitely not. And there was, I think it's worth just saying that, yeah, probably saying that, you know, in terms of opinions and stuff, there was a lot of people who were quite strong in their views. And mm, it mm. definitely wasn't a group of fans who were just like, yes, Sam, <laughs> no, Sam. <laughs> No, it wasn't. I think any accusations of it being a bunch of lickspittles is way off the mark. I, I don't think... I was saying this to someone when I, when I spoke to him the next day about what would happen, but I said, I can't imagine a Shrewsbury Town manager has ever sat in front of our fan base in the entire history of the club and taken as much of a critical review of their performance as manager Frank. than Frank than Sam Ricketts did on that night, which... Yeah. which I'll still, you know, despite what happens this season, one thing I'll come out this season was saying, at least that was interesting and brave and, and fair play for him attempting to do it. But despite what you said about it, I'd be interested in seeing what he could do next season. If he cannot keep us up, he would have to go. 
because he has had enough opportunities. I don't know. I'm still. I, do. I don't know. I haven't I said do. he should go at all. Um, at all. Um, and I'm even thinking if we go down, why not? Why not give him another chance? We'll see how the no. rest of the season goes. So I will hold that. So I'll, yep. I, yep. I, I kind of keep the right to kind of change my mind. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I'm, I'm kind of air on that side because you will know the team. You know, you know what we'll need to change and fix. Um, which gives them an advantage with this is getting anyone else. But I understand why people are frustrated, and we'll come on to that in a bit more. Yeah, but <laughs> the ports of game. There's only ten people that went. You know, a lot of fans still want him to go now, don't they? At the end of the yeah. day, there'll be a load more fans that want him to go if we got relegated, and it'll be a judgment. As we, I said to him, I think later on, you know, said you, you realise this is eight massive games for you in terms of your career now with this football club, and he, yeah. he understands the position he's in. There's no way he doesn't understand what pressure yeah. he's under. So. I think we'll wrap it up there. Really, yeah, just one last little thing that was highlight, little highlight for me, which I thought was really funny, is one I was like keen to say, like, how do you understand like the ability of players? And you said you're also about the, the consistency. And unlike some others, I did help Witters kind of clear up and clear bottles away and stuff. Water oh, I just went. Stuff for drinking. Yeah, and yeah, you me. just left. <laughs> I'm not, and, um, I don't work for the club. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so this was really funny. Um, I ended up talking to Sam Ricketts about my football manager game, which I thought was quite hilarious. So I was talking about football managers to a football manager, and he was questioning why I was managing the baggies, um, which was quite funny. Um, so yeah, and it's just yeah, it kind of says that you know he, he is a, a guy that you know is interested in people. Mm. Um, so yeah, that I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, it was. You did mention your football manager career during the meeting as well, Ollie. You were very clear to. No, know. I didn't. I didn't talk about my career in football manager. I said, I said, use football manager. So you know, you look at a playing football manager and you can see how good they are at passing, shooting, crossing, tackling. How do you do that in real life? And it's a question that I've always wanted to ask. And he yeah, said but- it's about. The consistency of the players. You keep forgetting, Ollie, that the judgments in football manager are made by people like me. I do Shrewsbury Town's, <laughs> I do Shrewsbury Town's stats. That's why I never sign Shrewsbury you... players. But... <laughs> I was going to say, do you trust the relevant Glyn people... prices? Oh, of man, other you clubs? need to listen to a podcast from Josh. <laughs> um, what's that guy, Josh, who does the last, um, does um, the last leg? And oh, he used to be a football journalist, and he did a '90s football podcast, and he's had uh, Miles Jacobson on there, and he oh, says yeah. that a lot of football clubs use it as a database um, to find scout players. So, okay. yeah, while your air data might not be that accurate, other other people's are. No one's going to be signing a Marty Holloway next season based on football manager statics, I can tell you that. So, um, anyway, so <laughs> hopefully that gave people enough insight. If they have any questions, comments, please happy to share it with us and then we could yeah. Yeah, try and we can maybe cover it again. But yeah, we've talked for a long time there. So this is going to be a super long pod. Yeah, I think it's fair though, isn't it? Because it's quite yeah. a unique thing that's never happened before. And we've tried our best to remember it. I'm sure there were other little nuggets and stuff that we've not remembered. And we've tried, hopefully the club will appreciate, we've tried to be as fair and um, not giving away some of the things that could be sensitive. And we, we did discuss some of those things that they'd rather not go any further, which is fine. But it does show you that there was things like that discussed and they did want to raise those sorts of questions with the fans. So I think we've probably tra- trod the fine line of, of, of where we need to be there, Ollie. And hopefully everyone enjoyed listening to that reminiscence of something. And as I say, email the football club. If you want to get involved next time, I don't believe there's any reason Supports why. Sports Parliament. Yeah, Sports Parliament, sorry. Email the Sports Parliament and hopefully they'll get you involved. So, um, yeah, I think, as we said, I've tried to lead into this before, but we talked about results and it is a results business and that led us to Saturday, Ollie, so we'll move on to the game. Despite Holt's goal, it's been Shrewsbury who've had the better of this first period. And there's an opportunity that's headed in by Gavin Coward. They're back in front. So, um, it was a, yeah, as you said, Glenn, it was an eventful week. So Shrewsbury won the Shropshire Cup. I thought it was really funny that the club, um, Telford said they were playing Shrewsbury and Shrewsbury were like, no, no, you're playing our academy team. And they refused to tag, Shrewsbury were tagging our academy team, did all the tweets from the academy account and Telford kept tagging 
um, the Shrewsbury Town um, um, first team um, account, which I thought was quite a funny um, yeah. little battle going on. So um, Shrewsbury Town won. Um, they took the lead and then they drew in full time. Then it went. Then Shrewsbury won four three on penalties, which is a great experience for the lads. And David Longwell said that. It's brilliant. It's great experience for them tonight. Is their intensity and their enjoyment was great. Learning curve from Pens. We're really happy for them. Dynamic. Um, the staff of the whole club is special. So he's talking about his links as the first team. Um, games like this is fantastic. It gives us motivation to raise their game playing against men. Um, and all three subs are under sixteen and not even full time pros. Wow. Um, yeah, they look young. So that was brilliant. So yeah, that was fantastic. That you know we had that and it yeah bodes well that we've got some um, some good young players coming through and yeah it sounds like David Longwell's settled in really well and is a part of the the staff there which seems to be going quite well yeah I mean yeah Ricketts did we didn't mention before Ricketts did speak highly of him didn't he in terms yeah, of the he role he's, he's making as well and for me it was interesting because Telford were trying to get away with saying they were playing our team because they snuck a load of their well I think two or three of their first team players yeah. into their team and they still David Longwell beat. mentioned that as well and that wasn't kind of agreed <laughs> no and it still wasn't good enough to beat Arrow Youth Lads so fair play to them as well and um, let's, let's just uh, you know rip Telford United they had their little moment in the sun this week didn't they where they you know got to the, the FA Trophy semi-final and in the course of a week our Youth Lads knocked them out you know beat them in the Shropshire Senior Cup Finals so put them in their place in Shropshire and then good old Lake Noreen beat them with 10 men on Saturday so bye bye Telford go back to irrelevancy and we'll see you in a few years time in uh, I don't know another Shropshire team senior cup final we can go and smash her in so that was all good bye bye Telford um, but yeah the main the main feast of this week was Shrewsbury versus Portsmouth wasn't it Ollie yeah. and um, a lot of talking was done in the week a lot of talking was done post-match after uh, after what happened with the win last weekend and Portsmouth obviously a good team didn't quite go away though no it didn't so coming into the yeah. game, um, Portsmouth have only lost one in the last nine, um, but Shrewsbury had only won three in the last twelve. Um, so going into and Plymouth, Portsmouth ended up being third after this victory, um, and they're a good team. Um, they are a very good team, and we saw that in glimpses. Um, attendance was over eight thousand, with um, one thousand one hundred or so from Portsmouth. It's um, good attendance. So yeah, so it was good attendance and a good atmosphere, I thought as well. And I went to the game. I went to Prince of Wales before the game, and there was loading neutrals in there and also Pompey fans. Yeah, okay. Um, so that was quite good fun as well. Chat to Aid Plymouth. Um, and a few other fans before the game, so that was fun. Team selection, um, two o'clock. Obviously, everyone's always interested these days to, and with like you know the not like the Paul Hurst days where you knew who was going to play. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we had Williams, Waterfall, and Beckles in central defence. Bolton came in at right wing back, so that was a change. Grant to Norburn, um, Goldburn playing left wing back, and then Doherty and Worley off um, Okinabiri. So we were playing that kind of Chelsea. Um, three four three formation um, with Grant and Doherty kind of playing as normal central midfielders. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely a slight tweak on what we've been doing in recent yeah, weeks. Um, not one which, striker, not two. Which was interesting about you know selection of it, but I think it in, in terms of what we talked with Rick about it was he wants to get Wally in the game and get him involved and get him active, and so you know this gives him an offer, another opportunity to do that without having to sacrifice a little bit of the defence by putting him as a wing back. So I, I was was all right with that in terms of a move. He brought back in the players a lot of the fans were asking for, whether they worked or not. Uh, we'll, we'll talk as we go through. I think there's a big big hanging sort of debate about Grant to be had. Um, but you know, at least at least it got most of our good players in there, other than Campbell. Um, so obviously he was the one to miss out, I suppose, the attacking players. Um, and Edwards probably rightly dropped after last week. So it's hard to say whether you agree or not with teams at the moment because this this is a debate for lots of little bits and pieces and tweaks here and there because it's been so bad. So it's it's tough to say you 100 percent agree with every team, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's hard when you don't win and score goals. No, exactly. Um, it's, it's hard to, um, for players to keep their places and to kind of like justify their um, performances. And if you're not winning, obviously you can get running stats and all that. But obviously, it's always important um, to win games. Um, so I think it's fair to say. 
we started really well, I thought. Fantastic. Yeah, probably mm. the best we've started for months. Maybe maybe the best sort of 30 minutes under Ricketts. It'd be yeah, hard to I'd debate that. that but yeah. we were dynamic. Attacking, pacey. Doherty's drive was really good. Norburn's sort of defensive shield, but he was also getting forward really well. Yeah, and he was linking Faye, play really nicely. Yeah, Faye was quick. Wally was buzzing around all over the place. He almost felt like he had a, a free roll at times. He sort of got all over the shot, really. And we did really rattle them. We did yeah. really rattle them. But, yeah, you know. definitely. I thought it was a really encouraging 30 minutes. Yes. Um, and we had some really, really good chances. Massive. So Doherty runs the defence, crosses the ball, but unfortunately just goes straight to McGivery. Yeah. Um, and then there's a grant pass to Wally, really good pass in the, in the box, and a save from McGivery, which is a fantastic save. Brilliant. And he really hit it really hard as well. Um, and he was the back, you know, at that point we could have, we definitely should have scored, and that was one of the best chances we had in the game. Um, and I thought it was interesting as well how we were playing. Um, clearly, we were playing those players. Um, so. Faye, um, Doherty and Wally to press their back and they're quite they're quite slow but big central defenders that they have um, and they did really well they won the ball off them a few times um, and it linked really well and we had that shot where Wally shot and it went for a corner so you know early on we were creating lots of opportunities and you know we were definitely um, you know a lot more possession and also camped in their half. When we win the ball higher up the pitch than you know coming out of it from the back we look a completely different team we look much better and yeah. that's why you need that press that's why you need to do it but it tires you out quicker and I think that for me how fast and hard we started the first 30 minutes played a big part into what happened as the game went on then you know I don't think we ever reached those levels again and it, it's incredibly hard to play at that level consistently for 90 minutes isn't it well and, it is um, when you're a team that's not that fit and yeah. also low in confidence and you know, if we'd taken those a bit like almost like maybe we've had a Doncaster game you know against Doncaster we did similar kind of tactics it worked really well against them yes uh, and we scored here. Unfortunately, we didn't. Yeah, uh, we didn't score. And there was another amazing chance for Norburn. That's a good link-up play. I thought Faye did a really good job as like a link-up player at front. Yeah, um, right. passing the ball to feet. Um, so, um, you know, he got the ball, um, passed in, and um, Norburn got into the box near the six-yard line, had a shot, and their um, their fullback Brown came flying <sighs> in. It was an amazing good. block. Yeah, and I'm not joking. At this point, we could have been two 0 up, and I don't think that would have been unfair. And I don't think. Um, um, Kenny Jackett could have complained too much at that point well obviously he would have been very happy but we definitely would have deserved it no and then the, the niggle at the back of your mind was we have not scored when we're on top which has been a fairly familiar theme this season and uh, in all honesty Portsmouth started to get back into the game they were too good not to not to get back into the game they are a good team um, they started to pass it around much more neatly and then errors started to creep into our game Grant mm-hmm. particularly but you could also point out a few of the defenders with a, a few loose passes and a few long balls out of play or just straight to the goalkeeper just started to just come undone a little bit and we weren't crap as we've been in recent games we were just not at that level that meant we were dominating the game and they, they just like taking your chances isn't it it's all just about took a step. It's their yeah. mentality as well you know in terms of if we'd scored obviously our players would have had a bit more confidence probably a bit more energy and carried on going we just didn't score and we definitely could have um, scored a couple of goals at this point, and then um, then they start to create the chances, Ollie, and yeah. and then unfortunately, well, as usually happens with this team at the moment, uh, yeah, one nil down, forty minutes, um, and yeah, you've put on the agenda, bloody hell, here we go, go on, so, you can take yeah, this, Ollie, so bear with me. So <laughs> Beckles gets the ball, runs forward, um, and then um, the striker low picks his pocket, and then Williams comes in, covers, makes a really good tackle, and the ball comes to Grant. And, um, yeah, I'm getting a little bit frustrated with Grant, Grant at the moment. He loses the ball. He passes up, kicks the ball away. Yep. And for me, he was trying to get a foul. He was too focused on, this is my interpretation, he was too focused on getting a foul than actually doing something with the ball. So then he went down 
and all the players were thought that you know were claiming then that he'd been fouled, but he hadn't mm-hmm. to keep the mm-hmm. ball away. I agree. Um, and then basically um, they counterattacked us with our team all out position. So Bolton wasn't in, in a defensive wing back position. Rose Shaw had to cover over. Waterford had to cover over. And then um, Goldburn wasn't back in defence because he we were, thought we were attacking. And then Beckles had to come over and they had a spare man. And then basically they got the ball into the box. And then they had four men in the box. Yeah. Um, and then we had three defenders kind of behind them between um, their attacking players and the goalkeeper. So they completely outnumbered us. They had a shot, good save, and then um, Close comes in, uh, who finishes really nicely, and I was quite impressed with him. He was a good player, and yeah, we kind of and we shot ourselves in the foot there, um, and it was very, Big very time. frustrating because a couple of players making mistakes, but for me, Grant um, was really poor in this build-up of play. I agree. The town fans were moaning about it for a foul for ages, getting on the referee's back, and they got that wrong. It, it was not a foul. It was a bit close to us in block 17, and maybe then the, the south stand. But um, yeah, it was a bit pathetic, and he just didn't get up quickly. He was lying down for ages. He clearly wasn't injured. He just went down no. like he knew, usually does. He, and we've he, seen... he passed the ball to get the he ball did. away. He's he trying did. to win a free kick. And sometimes it's quite a few times we've mentioned on the pod where it feels like he's trying to win a free kick over actually doing something with the ball. Well, he's the most foul player in League One this season, isn't he, Grant? Did you know that? I don't know if he's got some bonus for that, but he <laughs> seems to be focused on it quite a lot. Oh dear, oh dear. And it, just from there, it was, as you said, I described it, it was a shambles. And uh, to go and one nil down at half time just was like, he just, just was like, for Christ's sake, that's so typical of this team this season. They just keep finding ways to shoot themselves in the foot or sometimes just shoot themselves in the head, basically, and, and, and yeah. almost kill themselves. And, and, and that was it. It was just another one of those moments. And, and they got clapped off at half time because fair's fair. We, Ricketts talked about having a hard working team and a performance like And you couldn't really argue with the, the drive behind that performance. But. What happened is the same thing that keeps happening, a, a slight lack of quality at certain times or a lack of finishing ability at certain times. And it is it is killing this team. It's absolutely killing this team. It is, and it's, it explains why the fans get so frustrated. But I think it's fair yep. to say the fans were very positive throughout this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very contextual, isn't it, the fans' reaction at this moment in time um, to games. And I think Wickham just kind of just poked a fire. But for this game, the fans were definitely on the team, supporting the team. And, you know, mm. well, I wasn't overly angry or anything like that time, just a bit disappointed and for them as well you know that they put a good shift in and they, they didn't got anything out of the half yeah yeah um, fair fair uh, yeah. but then second half wasn't quite as good as the start of the first half was it you know we, did, we never reached those levels again for no, the rest of the game didn't, no we didn't so we Doherty had a shot in the box after a really nice pass from Wally and again you know Doherty and Faye and um, Wally linking up and like we nice. yeah. yeah so I think we were quite impressed by them I was impressed by them throughout the game were you as well Glenn? Yeah, they, they linked up well nicely, didn't they? Just having, like when Campbell and Faye played up front, when there was the two of them with pace, they linked up quite nicely. And even those three, they're all, they're all quick, they're all runners, they're all hard workers, they they like to put a shift in and win the ball back. It just it just looked better. And it, as I say, I said to my mate Jerry sitting next to me, I said, you play players with pace up front and it just gives those defenders that extra thing to think about. They they will always take a little step backwards and, it, and then it gives you a little bit more space that a player like Doctor or Norburn can use. And that, that was helping us, to be fair. And, Christ, we look so much better with them than, than playing Holloway. It's just, it's light and shade, isn't it? Yeah, but then there has been times where Holloway's come on and done well, like way at Plymouth. A... Anyway, let's not go down that, that rabbit hole. <laughs> let's not. Um, so, yeah, so and then we had a, and Grant had a good shot um, from um, from an Okabiri um, kind of save, deflection, yeah, probably from right. save or deflection. And then Pompey started coming back into the game, didn't they? They had that they really nice counter attack yeah. where Lowe and Pittman um, linked up and the ball bounced on top of the bar. Um, then there was a Pompey header from a throw-in after good play from Pittman again um, and a good save from Arnold. And then we had a chance, didn't we, where um, Wally got tripped and we won a free kick. The ball goes under the wall. I think it went under Norburn. the wall. I couldn't quite tell. Yeah, yeah Norburn hit it. Yeah, a free kick from Norburn. 
Yeah, hard and low. Don't see too many of them from our team. Yeah, that was really that was nice to see, and Okunabiri just couldn't get onto it. No, it was unlucky. Um, so this was kind of like you know in the seventieth minute now, um, and yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> um, hope yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm angry. I'm angry, Ollie. I, like yeah, you say, the fans stayed with this it. This was so embarrassing, and I'm watching it back again. Every time I watched it, it got even worse. So it's horrible. If those who it, follow the um, Salakast account, I um, basically screen printed a couple of frames um, of this to kind of prove and show where the ball was. Because when I watched it in real time, I was quite angry with Arnold. Yes, um, but watching it back quite a few times, probably too many times. I'm disappointed with um, with Beckles on this one. So basically, it was a long ball forward from their midfield. With just a long hit and hope, really, just to kind of get it out of their out of their space and to see what happened. And it happened they'd done it a few times. And I remember Roshan kicking it against the top of the stand at some point. Yeah, yeah, he just put it out. Yeah. So basically, Omar had two. It was a bouncing ball. Omar had two chances to clear it, and he doesn't. But also, it's a bit odd that well, a bit odd, a bit frustrating that Arnold came out as well because I think he was. Omar seemed to be wanting Arnold to kind of take he did. control. It is the ball was like significantly closer to Omar. Yep. So then Arnold kind of gets close to him, and then what happens? Once, well, we fucked it up basically, Ollie. Yeah, and <laughs> Arnold fine. kicks the ball against Beckles. It comes to Hawkins, who passes to Pittman, and a, a player of Pittman's stamp of quality ain't going to yes. miss. No, and it's two 0 no. And it, it, like, you'll have maybe I don't know if I, I might be different to other people, but I could count on my hand maybe the sort of five or six times in a season where I see something so annoyingly bad that it forces me to stand up and just hurl a volley of abuse because I'm so raged by it. And that was it on Saturday. I lost, I lost my mind at that goal. I, I was so annoyed with it because it was so unnecessary, so unnecessary. Just one, one of them's just got to clear that ball out. If Arnold comes all that way, he kicks through the ball and he takes Beckles with him. It doesn't matter. You just get rid of it because you're a keeper and you shouldn't be out there anyway in the first place. Or Beckles just does the simple thing. Beckles, he's done if Beckles had kicked yeah. it the first time, I agree. I agree. He's he could just nothing would have happened. He could just do the thing he's done a million times. And we before still could have maybe got a point from the game because we were still trying. We brought on Campbell, yeah. brought on Doherty. Possibly, possibly. Doherty and that... went to the right, and some people were saying, "Oh, why did he put him wing back? He didn't really play wing back. He played right wing." Um, no. and it then, just yeah. it destroyed us in that game. That, yeah. that goal was a killer. We were never going to get anything out of the game from that point. So we had but... we had the really poor play from um, you know from the defence, and then Grant giving the ball away. And then we then we shot ourselves in the foot. So we shot ourselves in the foot twice in this game. We shot ourselves in the foot a load of times. We shot ourselves yeah. in the foot every time we missed an easy chance or, you know, the two goals. You know, it, there was a lot. You, you can blame the two goals for why we lost the game. But you can also blame a couple of those misses or, or saves where we could have maybe done better to test the keeper a bit differently. There was a glorious chance Bolton had in the first half that we've not even mentioned where it was falling from a ball. He was, he was unmarked. He was, he was on goal. Like the next thing in front of him was the goalkeeper. And he chose to head it and he weakly headed it over the bar. Whereas if he'd let it drop for maybe one more second later he could have just volleyed it into the net you know he's good enough to do that and those are the moments we shot ourselves in the foot but the comedy element of that second goal was just just sums the bloody way that some of the defending's gone on this season and I'm not even I'm not even taking the blame away from any of the defenders because once that happened they did not get back and I know they were pulled out of position but Waterfall was behind Beckles right and he had a chance to try and get back around and cover and they kind of all stopped for about a second which is why they continued the attack on and and you know, I'm not blaming Waterfall for the goal in any respect whatsoever, but even him didn't he didn't cover himself in any glory in trying to cover back. But Beckles and Arnold, I I was just so annoyed with it. I'm still annoyed with it now, Ollie. You've got me annoyed again blame? thinking about it. Who do you blame more? Uh I, I blame Arnold and Beckles, both of them. They should one of them should no, have cleared it. I, I don't I, agree with that at all. For me, I can't 80, really pick. Eighty, eighty percent Omar. He had two chances to clear the ball before Arnold got there. So we should, for me it's, it's But look where he's on the pitch though. 
he's not shepherding that ball back to the keeper if the keeper doesn't come hairing out a goal. Do you know what I mean? He, he should have just kicked it over the railway line. Yeah, he should have done. But then Arnold should have kept coming and kicked through it as well. What difference would it have made? But to do what they did... and in, Because Arnold it, but the ball it. was so close to Beckles, he, he but he did come out. Neither of them come out of it in, in, in great, but for me, Omar it was It was away. close to Beckles, but you've got to remember, Arnold still got to it and kicked it and hit it yeah. against Beckles. That's because, but, then, but, then, but then Beckles, because Beckles got, and he got so close that he got in the way. You could have just ciphered it out. They're both shambles. I agree yeah. with you, Ollie, to be honest with you. And, and it's it's just one of those goals that's going to be symptomatic of this season if we get relegated. It'll just be there. You can point to that. Good team, good performance in general. That's exactly what we kept coughing yeah. up this season. And it's happened so many times. It's just not even funny anymore. But there we I'm go. And I do question there, Glenn. Go on. So how would you rate Grant's performance in that game? And how would you rate him in the last month or so? Shocking. Shocking in all honesty. I like Grant. He's got to be the best midfielder we've got. But... Like, we talk about rumours. There's been a massive rumour going around that he's going, isn't he? I mentioned it last week. And he does look like a player who's got his mind somewhere else at the moment. You know, he's nowhere near his levels. He was absolutely shocking on Saturday. His passing, which he's well known for as being an accurate passer, metronomic. Well, he's only a very short over. pass. He's not a passer like Norwood yeah. who can spray it. But, but he was missing short passes, Ollie. You know, yeah. he was missing five-yard passes. And he looked knackered. I Would you want was... him here next season? If he's if his legs have gone like they have now, then it's no loss. To be honest with you, I, you know, go get a go go back. He can't be any worse than Grant was on Saturday. But I'm sure there's lots of defensive midfielders out there who could do a job. I like Grant. If he can get back to his best, I, we we. It's not about whether he can get back to his best. We bloody need him back to his best because I don't think the defence are good enough to do without a good Grant as a defensive shield. And if we don't have Grant, we we sacrifice Norburn by playing him deep when he might be better going forward. So it just it's one of those things again where Ricketts will lose an option and um, I don't know I wouldn't play him on Saturday against Southend I, I to be honest with you we got to beat Southend so I play a more attacking team anyway yeah. but I, I wouldn't start him after that point. I for me I I I think we should let Grant go. Uh, Unbelievable that though, isn't it? Considering, but, but I don't think uh, yeah. But the thing, well, two, <laughs> first of all, he's been the one of the better players. I will say that over the course of the season in a team that's been shite. He's winning. So our for me, that's not. For me, we've had this a few times when we've been in relegation seasons, and goes, "Oh, right, we've got to keep this player." Yeah, but the whole team has failed. He's played in a failed team, so mm. he can't be that good. Um, if he's been, even if he's been, you know, in the, such, playing such a key role, for me, I don't think he can run as much enough um, consistently throughout the games. And I think, I think we, we could get better players. And I imagine he's probably quite a high earner as well. So for me, I, I don't think he'll be here next season. Um, and I think if he does go, I think that's probably a good thing. Uh, I might get well, faults for that, but I just yeah. don't think his performance is good enough. And and, you know, and if we do have Ricketts, we want players that can run a lot. And while Grant can, can do a bit for burst, I don't think he can run as much as, like, say, an Ollie Norburn. Mm. If he's going to piss about like he did on Saturday for the rest of the season, then yeah, you're probably right. And I don't think you will take pelters because that was that was unacceptable. Um, for, and for I do parts. like him. I love his camaraderie with the fans and the fact he yeah. his boots and yeah. shoots and all that kind of stuff. That's great. But yeah, it's all about performance on the pitch. It's tough. It's tough. We, we, we have got to start being harder on these players. You know, we have. We have yeah. because of where they are and what they've been doing this season. We've got to really be realistic about them. And I uh, think that that's the, the, the sort of weights are dropping from people's eyes now as we come into this run in thinking, look, these players are, are the ones that's got, have got us here. So, you know, I'm behind them. I don't want them to be crap next week. I want them, Grant to put in a great performance and let's keep a clean sheet and win 1 0. I'd bloody give anything for that. But um, you've got to be honest about what you saw on the game. So uh, let's wrap this game up anyway, Ollie, by, by just going through. You do uh, Portsmouth are a good team. So yeah, they I, were. They, they changed formation quite a few times. Um, I think yeah. they kind of dominated the game when they played 43 1. For me, three players stood out close in central midfield. I just like that kind of player. He's a bit like a Bryn Morris for me, kind of like, you know, gets in the box and can do some tidy passes, a bit of an engine on him. Low up front, I thought, was quite a threat. And 
And Pittman, I was really surprised to play him. He was playing as an attacking um, left-sided striker, um, kind mm. of. And he put a really good shift in, and you know he's a good footballer. And it was interesting to see that obviously Kenny Jackett's got him, you know, working hard on that left flank, and it says a lot about him as a pro. So for me, they're the guys that were kind of really impressed. And yeah, I think Portsmouth are going to be going hard until the end of the season in this promotion race. I believe we were potentially after Pittman in the January window, um, and that fell through, and then we ended up getting Campbell, but. I have to say, if we'd have ended up getting Pittman for this last few months and he'd been playing like he played on Saturday and, and maybe connected with, with Faye, I, I actually think that might have ended and up being a better... And be character in terms of the pit, off the pitch. I, I, and I agree. As well. I, th- I think that might have been a better signing than Campbell, which is probably going to get me pelters as well. But he's he's, this, <laughs> he's a maybe the experienced pro we needed up front. Because you've got to remember... all we've got a young got. team. Yeah. We've got a young yeah. team. But so, it didn't happen. Three, so there we go. What did you go for? We've really got one yeah. difference. So you can did you just tell us tell everyone yeah. the top threes. We we both went for Norbert, man of the match. Clearly, was man of the match, wasn't he? He was class the whole game through. Um, dictated it from that sort of quarterback role in some respects. A bit, he had drive enough to get forward and was also covering when he needed to. But um, yeah, so Norbert, man of the match. We both went Doherty second. We, we his drive was back, and that was what we needed, wasn't it? And that, that's what got that sort of front unit moving a little bit better than I'd been in, in the last week. And I went for Williams uh, third, and you went for Fay. Um, bit a bit of a close call that one, really. I, I went for Williams just because. What, what Ricketts was talking about and you just saw sort of saw it again on Saturday about how much he's settled in and, and is giving us what we need really and fairly blameless in the defensive shambles I suppose um, so yeah that was, that was me really yeah he's such a quality player isn't he? yeah. he's Certainly. definitely one of the players that will be in the, hopefully in the starting lineup starting yeah. next season go on then you wrap us up with a three word match report and then yeah, Ricketts so a lot of comments done. on here again so um, Sharon Davis two stupid mistakes um, Steve Bowdler with done by ourselves Chris Allen Far better performance. Mm. Andy Hamilton with big games coming, which we'll come on to in a minute. Mike Beesman, sorry, Mike Beeman, um, sell out for Warsaw and Sean Reader. We deserve more. Um, so I think the fans came out with fairly, fairly positive about yeah. this game. Um, you know, I went into this game not expecting anything, and that's how we ended up. Um, but yeah, it's obviously got a lot more bigger games coming on, which we'll come on to in a minute. Quickly, just covering Sam Ricketts off. Um, he said that the performance at the time was very good. First 30 minutes is the best we've played uh, for a while. Um, two or three good chances, some great blocks and saves. Mm. And we played worse in one. Um, yep. Individual error to concede. So he said there's individual error. So it'd be interesting to, if we ever find out who, who <laughs> we think that was. Maybe They're getting rotated. Um, yeah, felt for the supporters. Can't ask any more of the players. The supporters were superb. And then he mentioned that Arnold and Bolton both went off injured. Uh, yeah, Arnold, that's And then that's an later one. on, when there was a few other people in the media asking him, he was frustrated with the individual errors, um, which was which was interesting. He's been saying that for a few weeks, though, to be fair, hasn't he? Um, yeah, my, my overall take from that game was that this, this team... Their, their overriding character trait for me is they find ways not to win football games. And it doesn't matter about how good the performance is or how bad the performance is, or even if they're just having an average performance. Over the course of the season, in a lot of games, they've just found ways to, to not win a game, missing lots of chances, coughing up easy goals. You know, the, the character trait is they just don't win football games. Um, regardless of, of the myriad of reasons we can look at and poke at on this podcast, their character trait is they, they just find ways not to win games. And if they do not eliminate that in the next few weeks, we're in serious we're in serious trouble anyway. But they've got to just put it right. They've got to, got to win some games. Because at the end of the day, my three-word match point was points desperately needed. And unfortunately, Saturday, regardless of the quality of our position, regardless of the quality of our performance, was another game gone in a run-in where we got nothing from it. And that's got to turn around, hasn't it, We definitely need some points. And we've got three games coming up where we've got that opportunity. So mm-hmm. we're playing um, Southend. I'm playing Scunthorpe, who've just sacked their manager. Yeah, um, saw that and today. We've got Gillingham, um, who are probably almost safe now. 
and they mm, might be yeah. safe by the time we play them. And also maybe Coventry will have their um, beach towels out ready um, for us to get three points from them. So, yeah, before we get to Southend, I had a good week, Glyn, for predictions. <laughs> Is that the first time this season or have you beaten me? I think me? <laughs> it might be that I've actually won a week. Yeah, won Oh, my own. God. So Shocking. I went for us to lose 2-0. Um, I've been too positive, I think. Um, and you went for us to lose 3-1. Um, yeah. But I got the max points this week, but I think it's you fair did. to say I'll have to be buying you a present at the end of the it's, season. It's been a trouncing on you this season, isn't it? But yeah, when we, we, we both... <laughs> Don't got... hold back, mate. <laughs> well, you know, honesty is the best policy. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, we both went for us to lose, and you know, that's what ended up happening. But I don't know, South End Away is interesting, because you, you, you were putting some stuff on um, Twitter earlier on, talking about... You know, we, there were some people debating the South End game, and you were saying you don't think we'll beat South End, and you know you're a bit more confident, maybe I think, than I am, because my point was I don't well, know, maybe we... it was, I'm, I think I'm being influenced by the fact that I um, after we did that, so there was a really good article which we posted out, which is actually um, from Ant Thomas's idea, which I then contacted D3D4, and he worked really hard to get twelve fans from all the teams in relegation zone to write this yeah. article, which is have you read it? No, I haven't got around to reading it on oh, it. Should I should have it. It's really no, good. No, I will this week, yeah. It's really interesting. No one really says we're going to get relegated and everyone says what their strengths of their team are. So it's a really good article. Um, it's had loads of um, loads of views, so that's fantastic. Um, yeah, good. And um, basically, so from that, I follow a few other accounts and there's um, All at Sea fan scene of Southend. Yeah, and he yeah. Was having a, well, he was having... He was basically very, let's say, frustrated <laughs> over Saturday and basically saying they're absolutely awful. Um, and he was quite funny. He seems like quite a bit of a character. I said, you know, what's your forecast for the game on Saturday? And he said his plan is to basically make our team get ill and then he threatens them be able to draw nil now. <laughs> so he's not really that confident. So that's influenced me thinking that we can maybe go there and get something um, because Southend are so poor. And, and their last results are really bad. So they drew two away Blackpool. They lost 4-0 to Scunthorpe, who just set their manager. They lost at home 1-0 to Wimbledon, and then they lost to Peterborough 2-0 on Saturday. So they're coming in this into a bad run of form. Um, and I know that there's been a bit of pressure whether they're going to sack their manager as well. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm hopeful that we can get something out of this game. I, I, I agree with everything you just said there, Ollie, but my, my counterpoint to that would be, we almost said exactly the same things a few weeks ago when we went away to Rochdale. I know, who were on I a know, similarily bad run. I know. Who were about to sack their manager or just add, I can't quite remember. I think they just had, hadn't they? Hadn't won at home for months or whatever. This And we went there and we coughed up a shithouse performance and lost. So, um, to me, it's no different to, to Rochdale. Now, have we learnt the lessons of Rochdale? I bloody well hope so, because frankly, we, we cannot... We didn't concede from a set piece this week. No, that's true. That's true. We <laughs> cannot afford to lose to um, to Southend. I'm sorry. It would be massive if we get three points as well because it, it is massive, so close. Massive, huge. But we cannot go there and come away with anything but a point. We've got to keep Southend below us this week. Yeah, because they're the one point below us in 20th yep. and we're 19th. Um, and then there are three teams above us on 44 points, one team on 45 points. So let's just say, for example, we get 46 points and none of those teams win. We can go up to like basically catch up um, Plymouth on 14th. And you know, as I'm alluded to, Gilling on pulling away, they got 47 points, so it's that close. No, <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's, we it's... don't. Three points are. Uh, I won't go as far as must must yet because there's still quite a few games to go. But three points would be fantastic, and also we've got those games at home. So go all the way to Southend, get three points. That puts us. In, that puts us in the driving seat. 
It would do, and let's look positive and hope it happens. I'm going to go for us to lose 2-0, Ollie. Um, so you okay. put that down as my prediction. Our away form is dreadful. It is the worst in the league. I don't know why anyone would think we'd turn up and play well away from home anywhere, frankly. You know, it, this, the, the odds and the stats are completely against us turning out any kind of performance on Saturday. Let's be honest about it. Um, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope that, you, you know, I've just seen your prediction you've written on the agenda. I hope you're right, Ollie. But frankly, I, I, I see bad times ahead at Southend. Um, I'm going to go for some kind of comical victory. <laughs> the footballing gods it's going to be like some kind of Ivan Tony-esque yeah um, away in it. and I'm just been going by the, the, the generally just, just by that Twitter account it's really given me some hope that we can go there and get a result maybe their fans will be on their back um, Shrewsbury Town away fans will definitely be cheering the lads on um, and I, I'm feeling we're going to get something it'd be funny Good. if we come back this week and you tell you I told you so but. I, I want you to tell me so. I hope you can lord it up over me all week if that's the case. All I want is a win. I can't. I can't see it. I just. I've been to so many away games this season, Ollie, and seen us just not turn up. We're a, we are a different team away from home. There's no no one can tell me anything different. You, I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. We're bottom I of the, see the table, aren't we? Yeah, for away. we are. And the only but, way we're gonna the only way we're gonna stay up this season, Ollie, is by winning our home games that are remaining, yeah. which are all winnable, frankly. Or, um, or if we get this three points away at Southend. Potentially, potentially, yeah. There we go. Okay. Well, let's hope you're right. And, um, <laughs> we shall revisit you're this next convinced. week. You're not convinced. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's funny. The performance was better on Saturday, and you'd think I'd be encouraged, but frankly, I'm not. I'm, I'm just weighing up this whole season. I'm not so encouraged by away games. I can't make it this week. It's Mother's Day, isn't it? So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm taking. I'm doing a 10k run. Um, oh, okay, there you go. In Wales, so I can't go. Um, Part-time fans. We'll find someone next week, guys, yeah, to get we'll on the get podcast. Someone, we'll get a guest we, on. I believe that uh, yeah, it was Scooter at the, the Ricketts meeting was asking to come on and he doesn't miss a town game so maybe it'll be his, uh, his debut we'll see if he can come on but um, yeah we'll, we'll be back next week um, we'll be a bit shorter next week because obviously well unless Sam Ricketts requests our presence again Ollie because you know you never know <laughs> he, he might need another word but um, yeah it'll probably be a bit quieter next week with the one game but uh, hopefully this podcast was informative rather, rather than just uh, this sort of usual thing it give give a bit more of insight about what is going on and, and the yeah. people who are running our club this season and uh, and please pass honest. the pod on. So stealing from the Peter Couch, please pass the pod on. So, you know, if you enjoyed the session that we've gone through on um, Sam Ricketts, um, please pass it on to a mate. So pass yeah. it on, tag on, tag us as well, you know, if you've done that as well, and we'll we'll give shouts out next week. But if you could pass it on, we want to try and break a record of this pod as well. So yeah, yeah, and we... we... We did 900 last week in terms yeah. of listens, which is for us is fantastic. You know, it's it's well up on what we normally do, and um, again, continually showing that growth. So I think everyone's sort of quite receiving our sort of uh, borderline annoyance with the relegation battle last season. So well, not borderline annoyance. We were totally pissed off last week, weren't we? But um, yeah, it, I think it's 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 struck a chord last week, and uh, yeah, hopefully this one does as well. So thank you all for the support as usual. We are as usual very appreciative of it. So um, hopefully Ollie's right, and we're back next week with a win. Let's leave it at that, Ollie. Fingers crossed. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.